of the Home Field Advantage podcast for the last time in the 2022-2023 season. This is Big Mo, and I have, do I have Action Jackson, the one and only, on the line? Well, I mean, it, it, it feels like, you know, it was just yesterday that we did this, but yes, I'm, I'm here uh, live and in person, and uh, uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back. We we have a lot to talk about today. Um, this is, as I, as I alluded to, going to be our last podcast for the season. We're going to take a, a break during the summer, and then we're going to pick it up in late August when Arkansas football is uh, starting to get back going. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and we're going to be doing a little bit of an extended version tonight. But I want to start off with some very sad news for, for Razorback Nation that uh, we actually just got uh, yesterday, um, and, and that's the passing of, uh, of, of all-time great quarterback, Razorback quarterback Ryan Mallett and uh, coach of the uh, Whitehall Bulldogs. Uh, unfortunately, at the age of 35 yesterday, uh, he left us, and uh, – it's it's been just a big shock i think to everyone in the razorback community everyone in arkansas uh he was just like i said so young and uh, so you know full of potential in life and had so much that he has given and, and so much still to give to this world and and to our community and um uh it's it's a big loss it's a big loss and i, I know i feel it and um, I know there's there's many others in the state who, who really feel it today too. Um, any any thoughts? I, I know that that you actually have a, a bit of a personal connection to uh, to Coach Mallet uh, action. Oh, I mean, not, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, first of all, uh, man, uh, heavy heart today. You know, when when you lose a, ra- uh, a Razorback, uh, like a uh, a part of your own family has. Uh, has left you and uh, such great memories with uh, you know watching uh, Coach Mallet play and uh, I- I'll never forget the the, uh, the the passing through to Kobe Hamilton at the end of the half against LSU uh, when the CBS announcer was just saying, "Well, they're going to come out and take a knee," and Bobby Petrino shocked him and LSU defenders running all over each other and Kobe Hamilton sprinting to the end zone and. Uh, you know, I I've have, I wasn't blessed enough to, to be around the man myself, but uh, I do have a uh, a close member of my family that uh, was able to go to the field house there at Whitehall and and uh, last fall and, and, and take a picture uh, with Coach Mallet, and and now I have that memory uh, to to last uh, from now on. I I just want to say. Rest in peace, uh, Razorback great, uh, Whitehall football coach, uh, the one and only, uh, the gunslinger, uh, Ryan Mallett, for uh, his family, and uh, just uh, just a heavy heart uh, today, Big Mo, to, to have to to have to talk about any Razorback passing, and you know he's the NFL player, USFL champion. Uh, I think he had a, a probably a state state football championship run in him and uh just all cut off too short and yeah it um, really was you know yeah that's that's uh i mean that's that's you know that's really all i can say i really can't find many more words than that yeah i mean i, I would expect to, to have you know news like this to be about you know somebody who played for the razorbacks or you know, was was famous before our time, before we were even born. That's that's what I would expect. But to have somebody who is actually younger than than you and me um, uh, yeah. leave us, yeah, I mean, it's it's really it, it it shakes you, and it it really just makes you you know grateful for things that you might not have have been as um, might might have taken for granted um, before, and 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 just just to know that like everybody 
everybody out there that you see, you know, you, you never can take anything for granted, you know. You know, even even the, the current players we had, the players who recently moved on and, and advanced in their career to some other place, um, life is life is a fragile thing, and and to see, you know, for it to be taken, you know, I mean, obviously uh, the details I heard was he he was on vacation. I mean, which which is really difficult because it's it's something that you expect it to be a happy time and no one's thinking about your and in any way prepared for, for tragic news. I don't think he was doing anything particularly dangerous other than, than swimming. And, um, and it's just, um, it's, it's, it's really unexpected and, um, it gives you pause, you know, it gives you pause about, about how, you know, life, life is so much bigger than sports and, um, you know, you you got to appreciate all the time you have with people, and, and and you can't take it for granted for sure. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head. I mean, you you can't you can't take a moment for granted in this life because you don't know which one's going to be your last. And I think Coach Mallet uh, was was a guy that that he, he walked with a lot of poise. Uh, uh, he had a he had a strong faith. I heard today, uh, which is which is always pleasant news to hear when somebody passes. Uh, and you know he, he he carried himself with a not an arrogance, but he was very confident in his abilities, and he showed that on the field. I mean he's he's probably set records at Arkansas that might not be broken as far as passing. And uh, you know uh, and and now you know now that he's you know, no longer with us. I, I hope that they I hope he stands at the top. Not that I wouldn't like to see uh, KJ be successful. I just uh, even more so. Uh, uh, just a Razorback great and an all around fantastic individual uh, from everything I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I, when I look back at it, I, I would be hard pressed. I, I don't think I have seen in my lifetime. A, a better pure passer wear a Razorback uniform. Now, we, we've had some good quarterbacks come through, but I'm talking about a pure pocket passer who could deliver accurate balls and and and, and make those long throws. Uh, the, I, I'll be honest with you, probably the only time in my life that I really believed, really believed, well, there may have been a couple times, but but one of the few times when I really believed that we could go out and win a national championship was when we had Ryan Mallard, because he was the weapon that we had lacked at Arkansas for years, and and you know up until KJ Jefferson had lacked even after he left, but before and after. Um, you know, he was that tall quarterback who could deliver accurate balls and um, and had poise in the pocket. Uh, and he also, he didn't wilt under pressure. You know, he, he always, he, he embraced the big games. Uh, he played his best in big moments. And, you know, he was always a, uh, uh, at the quarterback position, you didn't have to worry about it when, when you had Ryan Mallett. You just had to worry about the defense. Unfortunately, the defense was not nearly as good as, as the offense was in those years. Um, but, but man, I mean, uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and, and it's looking tough. back and, you know, this is, this is probably the last I'll, I'll say on it at this point, but, uh, looking back to that Sugar Bowl game, which which ended up being our our last adventure with with uh, who ended up being Coach Mallet in, in, in our eyes now, but uh, it, it wasn't it, he, he did throw an interception late late in that game, but you just hit the nail on the head again. That, uh, had somebody knew how to scoop up and score a blocked punt, we would have beat Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, mm-hmm. and the interception would have never even came into play. Uh, we would have. We would have put him down for good, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get that. He didn't get that big, that big win. But again, not his fault. I mean, he yeah. he, he went out and done his thing, and uh, and you know, and, and now uh, now he's uh, now he's playing on a much 
much, much more grander field than than we're enjoying now. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you know, one one of those guys who was homegrown too. You know, born born in Batesville, Arkansas, and and once he was done with his NFL career, I mean. He could have gone a lot of places. You know, he had a big name, had a very storied college career. I can guarantee you there's all kind of uh, high school and, and even college programs probably in the country who would have loved to have him coaching their quarterbacks, coaching their offense, teaching their players. But what did he do? He decided to come back to Arkansas, to his home state, and dedicate his, his time and his experience and his reputation and, and, and invest that back into his state in Mountain Home and then, then back into Whitehall. And that means a lot. You know, that means a lot when, when a guy comes back and he foregoes opportunities, maybe even more, you know, uh, glamorous, you might say, opportunities that he could have had in many other places after playing, you know, with New England and Baltimore as a professional quarterback, you know, started uh, – I forgot the number of NFL starts yet. It was double digits. And, um, you know, a lot of people will want to have him, but he, he wanted to come back home. And he wanted to teach the, the youngsters of, our, of Arkansas, you know, how to play the game right and, and share his love and passion with, with people at home. And, um, man, that, that's just that's, – that's really what I remember – a lot about him, and I, he'll be remembered for a long time, for sure. Yeah, uh, especially, especially in the hard to, <laughs> especially in the record books. But he's, especially he's in the record books, and yeah, but just, just when when you have Razorbacks like that, who who not only uh, you know represent the state in college, but then they turn around, and they come right back, and and continue that work at the next level as a coach. You just you don't get those guys very often, you know. Right. And he he was one of them. He was one of them. And um, you know, we uh, uh fortunately, you know, we we do have a lot of kids in this state who who did get taught by him for the few years that he was able to coach here, and he's going to leave a legacy, you know. That he he's not going to be forgotten, and and I I I, I really believe there's going to be some Whitehall Bulldogs that are going to be playing just a little bit harder in his memory. This coming year, because uh, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, he he, he touched a lot of people, and, and we're going to miss him. Yeah, you you hate to uh, you hate to say farewell, but uh, but definitely farewell, and uh, and until we see you again. Absolutely, absolutely, that's uh, the best way to say. You know, and and you know, and, and not to. I mean, we could we could do a whole uh, two or three of these just just on Coach Mallet, but. Uh, leading into leading into some farewells, uh, you know, uh, obviously in the college baseball season, uh, it didn't end up where where we would have liked it to end up. And uh, but I, I I have one farewell for the baseball team. Uh, you know, he, he didn't produce this year like he has, but uh, I, I just want to say a farewell to uh, to who I think was a great Razorback uh, representative program while he was there. Uh, the Brady Slavens. Uh, I think Brady Slavens Brady is going to be missed. I think Brady Slavens is going to be missed on a baseball squad. Uh, I heard after the last game when you know when TCU romped us again that they looked out there and Brady Slavens was walking the field all by itself. And it's always tough when you know you played your last game. And uh, I, I appreciate what Brady Slavens did for our program. I think I heard that he had uh, he, he had forty career doubles. Uh, 32 career home runs, uh, or maybe, maybe a bit more, and uh, Brady Slavens. And, and then as far as the, the baseball team is concerned, uh, you wonder what might have been with, with one young arm in Jackson Wiggins, uh, who never really really had a, a chance to shine because of the injuries. And, and now he'll, uh, he'll get a chance to bounce back from that surgery and hopefully be able to play in the majors. Uh, you know, and you know, it was it was a good season. Uh, you know, to put a wrap on baseball. Uh, you know, we finished the the number three overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And yeah. That uh, that's probably you know the 
the second highest, if not the highest, that we've ever been nationally well, seated. Yeah, a couple, a couple years ago, we were number one overall in 2021. We're, we're, we're the number one, one overall seed. But other than that, I think that's the second most. That's the second highest we've ever finished in the regular season. So it was out, absolutely outstanding regular season. And right. I, I, I think you had an injured team, Big Mo, that that won the SEC regular season. You know, we we were the SEC regular season champs. Yeah, that was the year we finished number one. Over, we were ranked number one overall going yep. into the tournament. It was twenty one, and uh, but other than that, like I said, our, our our best regular season by the at least in the eyes of the selection committee that we've our second best that we've ever had which is i mean that's saying a lot for a team that's been to you know what five college world series in the past you know 10 years yeah. which is a lot i mean it's, it's as I many as any in the country and i think you made this point before that you know when when we don't make it to the world series we have this we feel like we got punched in the gut as fans because we just expect to be there and uh, unfortunately, this year we didn't even make it out of the out of the regional round. But uh, I, I did have a I did have one point for the for the baseball broadcast that was brought up to me by another fan, and uh, that was brought up to me by another fan. And uh, it is it's far past time for Boba Carpenter to call the fair pole the fair pole, not the foul pole. If it hits the fair pole, it's fair. If it hits the, the, the white line, it's fair. Come on, Bubba. Yes. You played in the majors. It's the fair line. It's the fair pole. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. And that, You're right. You know, that really, that's... That, really puts a, that really puts a wrap on baseball for me because it really, it really leaves a bad taste in my mouth, you know, that we got beat up by DCU so bad. So, Somebody reach out to Bubba Carpenter and his people. Let's let's call it what it is. If it hits the fair pole, it's a home run. If it hits that line, it's fair. So it's uh, really all I got on on the baseball season as a whole. But a great a great season nonetheless. It was a great season. I, I guess we have to mention that uh, it was an all SEC College World Series final. We, you know, we had uh, four SEC teams that, that made it to the World Series, and uh, Florida and LSU were the last ones standing. Um, and so uh, LSU, of course, was, was the team that, that won it. Um, uh, I, I mean, I have to think that it's going to be Arkansas's turn soon because uh, it seems like an SEC team wins it at least every other year, if not more. You know, obviously, uh, I think uh, it was mentioned to me recently that uh, from an Arkansas fan's point of view, you probably couldn't have a a worst last three national champions in in college baseball (laughs) than what we've had. We had had Mississippi State, then we had Ole Miss, and then we had uh, LSU win the national championship on us in in back-to-back-to-back-to-years. So, why don't we make it another SEC West team next year? And I'm not talking about Alabama and Auburn. Absolutely not. It's, it's Dave Van Horn's time. <laughs> uh, let's let's get it for Coach. I mean, there's um, been a lot of SEC teams that have won it. You know what I mean? I mean, we're talking about Vanderbilt. We're talking about South Carolina. Uh, yeah. I want to say Florida. Has Florida won it recently? Oh. Um, that that would not surprise me. Uh, that would it would not be a surprise if, if, if they had as well. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 our time. I mean, we and we do it. And and, and you know, I, I said I was done with it, but I, I, I heard today that we picked up a strong right arm right arm pitcher. Yeah. So Florida won it in two thousand seventeen. Yeah. I mean, I, Florida I, I, won I, I, in 2017. Vanderbilt won it pretty recently. This, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, more recent. I want to say 2019, maybe. Recently enough, and 
But what does Dave Van Horn do? He continues to reload. Just today we picked up a pitcher out of the University of Indiana, a strong right armor named Craig. 2019, I was right. So we had Vanderbilt win it in 2019. We had Mississippi State win it in 2021. We had we didn't have a we didn't have a World Series in 2020, right? Right. Because the pandemic. Right. So it, am I am I correct in saying that that the SECs won the last four NCAA baseball that championships? Be, that would be that would be accurate. And, and they say all we have is football. Uh, all, all the SEC is is football. Come on, man. Uh, the writing's on the wall for, for the rest of the, the college sports world. You can't mess with the SEC, guys. I mean, they 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 got to be able to realize this by now. Yeah, um, and what, what, what amazes me is, yeah, I'm pulling it up here on the champions. Yeah, there was none in, 2000, in t- 2020. So um, what amazes me is that of the past four champions, they not only have they is it, is it SEC teams, but it's all different SEC teams. That's the amazing thing, because you would almost never see that in any other conference. You would have at least one team that won it twice. You know, one team's a powerhouse, and they won two of them. But no, this is four different ones. And here's the thing. We all, the SEC also won in 2017. The only year that we didn't, that the SEC did not win it in the past six years was when Oregon State won it in 2018. And we all know how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we were one pop-up away. We were a one caught pop-up away from the SEC winning six consecutive national baseball championships. With, with wait for it, and this is the most important, amazing thing to me, is with six different teams, it would have been Florida, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and LSU. That's amazing. Is I mean, that is really amazing. And listen, of course, we can't forget about South Carolina winning back-to-back championships in 2010, 2011. And, of course, Vanderbilt won it in 2014. So I just feel like, I mean, obviously that that drop pop-up, we all, we all know how we feel about that. But, um, uh, man, I, I just feel like we're, we're due. You know, Arkansas is – they might be the number one if, if you look at, the, at how the program has performed – over the past, you know, go back seven years. Over the past seven years, Arkansas might be the the, the top rated program in the country. In fact, I would almost say it's it's a no brainer. It's not even close yep. that we are the top rated program in the country that has not won a national championship. Yep. And once again, we got the number one recruiting class for the upcoming season. So. Good. It's not that it's not that we're not getting them there. It's just you know we 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 just you know we keep coming up short. And so uh, you know, uh, but uh, like I said, uh, you know, a, a great baseball season with all the injuries and everything. Uh, they they did well, and you know we we know where we, we know where we have to get to. You know we we know we want to go back to Omaha, and that's that's our goal every year. And when we come up short, it hurts. And so uh, I agree with you. I, I say we're due uh, to, to to get. Uh, I, I like this little farewell list I've got going on to, to kind of get back to it to stay with the farewells. Of uh, I, I have a question for you because you know you're throwing out all these stats. Which team? Which which conference? While we're talking about conferences, which conference put the most players into the NBA this last week? Oh, I, I got the answer. It's the SEC. Because of really? one program. I didn't know that. Because of one program. Not Kentucky. Not Alabama. The Arkansas Razorbacks. 
tied UCLA with three players drafted, and then we broke the tie because Ricky Council the fourth right after the draft was over signs with the Philadelphia 76ers a two-way contract. So that's another nod to not only to the SEC, but to the Arkansas Razorbacks for putting four guys into the NBA this last week through the draft and the after-draft process. Uh, just want to say farewell and, and thanks for those Razorbacks. Uh, Anthony Black uh, drafted six to Orlando. Six overall. 27th overall to Charlotte, Nick Smith Jr. Yep. 38th overall, steal. Jordan Walsh. Jordan Walsh drafted to the Sacramento Kings and then traded to the Boston Celtics. And then Ricky Council of Fourth, as I've already mentioned. So uh, kudos to those guys. Props to them. Uh, I'm very, uh, very thankful for their contributions as Razorbacks. And, and I also want to bid, bid them farewell. Uh, and you know, may they may they be well in the, the NBA and uh and have have good careers. Uh, you know, I know basketball's been long over, but you know the NBA draft just being final. I, I wanted to throw that in there uh, with farewells to to those players as well. And I'd like, I'd like to say now, I think Jordan, Jordan Walsh is going to be a future Sixth Man of the Year, future Sixth Man of the Year, because. Well, he, yeah, I'm, I'm calling it right now, and, and this podcast is recorded. You have to remember this in the future. But I, I love him going to the seven, to, to the to the Celtics because Boston to me is, I mean, obviously they they had let down a little bit in the um, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year, but they're kind of the epitome of a defense first team which I think is the, the direction the NBA is starting to move in. And Jordan Walsh, what I saw from him, and I'm particularly thinking about the Kansas game, which will always be one of my favorite Razorback games of all time, um, just because of the absolute shock factor. But we won that game with defense. Jordan Walsh was a... You know, obviously the whole team's got to play defense, but he was the he spearheaded one of the best defensive efforts that I have ever seen in a college in an NCAA tournament basketball game. I mean, and obviously, you know, we we had Devo taken over offensively. He had one of the best uh, uh, hero games that I've seen from a um, a usual non-scorer. You know that I've ever seen before. But it doesn't happen without Jordan Walsh and the rest of the team just completely shutting the Jayhawks down on the defensive end. And he's capable of doing that at the NBA level. That, to me, that's that's how you stop NBA teams now. And we do need to, by the way, um, mention about the the NBA Finals and, and how that went. I hope I didn't jump ahead of us by alluding to what happened to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. Although that's that was a, a little while ago by the time this this airs, <laughs> but you know, to, to echo to echo your point, uh, if, if you remember that Kansas game, Jordan Walsh also hit two big three pointers, and I think that's one thing he brings to Boston that they were missing in the Eastern Conference Final is the ability to knock down a three pointer. And so, not only do you have him on a defensive end, but he has the ability to hit that outside shot and be very efficient with it too. Uh, you did you did allude to that, and you know uh, for for those of you know fans out there that didn't realize it, uh, behind the scenes I, I was I was pulling for Denver uh, throughout the whole playoffs, and uh, not only did they you know make history by winning, but I mean probably probably the best duo performance uh, between uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic that we may ever see in the NBA Finals. We might not ever see that again. Uh, oh. The triple doubles, the, you know, just, I mean, they're just all around, I mean, just uh, really majestic. And obviously I'm not a Denver fan. Uh, and uh, it was a great finals, uh, great finals for the for the Nuggets and, uh, and you know, their program out there. Uh, I, I yeah, think I mean, they, the first... they, they build, they're built for the future too. I mean, they're, not going anywhere. I mean, for you, 
Warrior fans and the Spurs fans and Oklahoma City Thunder fans and Dallas Mavericks fans, the Nuggets aren't going anywhere. So you go to play Denver, you better you better buckle up because you're in for a ride. You may be right. I mean, at this point, I'm I'm a little skeptical. I'm I'm still skeptical, you know. And the reason I'm skeptical about the Nuggets, uh, and I guess we'll switch. But before we go to the Nuggets, I do want to finish up on Jordan Walsh. Um, it kind of ties in together. I think that's how the NBA. That's really how you win in the NBA now, because it's gotten to the level where guys are such good shooters really from almost out of the gate, but especially when they get into their mid to late 20s. They've developed their shooting strokes so good that really if you let them shoot, they're going to make it most of the time and they're going to beat you. The the way you you win is the way, and of course I'm looking at the Celtics, but really I'm also looking at the Miami Heat, who of course matched up with the Denver Nuggets in the finals. They were the eighth seed out of the East, ended up uh, going all the way to the uh, NBA Finals and winning the entire Eastern Conference playoffs because they played defense. And, right. and of course, now, this don't, let's not discount their offense, which was great, too. But you've got to have that defensive element because the way you stop those shooters from making it is you never let them get the ball off in the first place. And Jordan Walsh is that type of player who brings – Intensity. Number one, he brings intensity, but you need more than intensity. You need ranginess. You need he's he's a very handsy defensive player where if that ball is in any way exposed to him when you're trying to make a move, he's gonna poke that ball away from you, he's gonna slap it out of your hand, he's gonna get a palm on it when you're trying to raise it up. And that's yeah. the way you stop those players at the NBA level is they're not used to they're used to playing against guys who are kind of skilled like them who they're going to play the standard defense and, and stay in front of you but they're not going to be just just on that ball like a laser like Jordan Walsh can be and that's why I think he's going to be successful is because he's got totally he's got the intensity and he's got the a, a passion because he realizes every time, he stops that shooter from getting that ball up and, and, and gets a takeaway. That's like that's just like making a bucket of your own. That's like getting two points of your own. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And and I think he sees the game that way. Of course, you know, he, he he's gonna put up some shots on the other end too, but he realizes that there <laughs> that there's such a value to be had and such a pride to be taken for stopping the other team. You know, just basically being a pest and and being in the well. I mean, one of the one of the, the best examples and one of my be- favorite plays from last year was when he was at the free throw line. There, we were Ricky Castle was shooting free throws, and he reaches around the Kansas player and tips it back to Ricky Castle. And it's that type of play, that effort play, where you do something the other team is not expecting you to do. And it, 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 it's, but it made all the difference. If he doesn't tip that ball back to Ricky Council, I don't think we win the game. That's true. I, I agree with you. And, you know, his, his athleticism is, is, is hard to match as well. Yes. Because when he, when he steals that ball, it's an and one on the other end because he's going to dunk on you. He's not yep. going in for yep. a layup. He is going, he is going to try to break the rim when he throws it down on you. So you either have to foul him. Or just let it be a breakaway because he's going to be a highlight reel in in, in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I mean, I, I, one comparison I would draw to him. He is a little undersized. I think if I had to draw a comparison to him, it might be Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was that type of player who, you know, Jordan Walsh is always going to fight for those rebounds. But you always saw Dennis Rodman making the hustle plays. You always saw him playing solid defense. You know. And that's why he was such a great role player for the Bulls. I believe he was sixth man of the year at one point, uh, or should have been. But for the Bulls and, and the other teams he played for, um, and Jordan Walsh, to me, can be that type of player for the Celtics, too. But I, I want to go on to your point about the Nuggets. I'm not sold on the Nuggets yet. And I know everybody lo- is in love with the Nuggets right now. 
The reason I'm not is because I've seen what's happened to the great teams in the past, like Golden State, for example. Golden State, they've got basically all their guys that they that they had from, um, you know, uh, eight years ago when they started their run and, and basically became the, the dynasty of the NBA. But they did not get it done this year with those same guys. And they, to me, I don't think they dropped off that much in – and how they played, the difference is the NBA caught up to them. It's no longer a offensive first game. The Lakers beat the Warriors with defense. They beat them with defense this year. And, and they, they figured that out. And so I, I think the Nuggets are good, but the Nuggets, to me, were kind of still under the radar. They were... You know, for example, almost like the Bucks. The Bucks in the East lost in the first. They were the number one seed, yes, but they lost in the first round to the Heat. I think right. nobody would have been surprised this year if the Nuggets lost in the first round too, like the Bucks did. They were, of course, the best team in the regular season, but they were still under the radar because they have never been to an NBA Finals until this year. And so now that they're off of the, now that they're on the radar, I think people, I, I, I feel like there's adjustments that teams are going to make for them now that they have a target on their back. And I'm not yet convinced that they're going to be able to do to, to repeat or even be that successful once they have that target. Okay, I mean, I, I can I can definitely, <laughs> and I could uh, I could argue I could argue and counterpoint and argue with you some more. Uh, on, on those points, but uh, the the way you beat Denver, you got to figure out a way. You got to figure out an answer for for the Joker. And until a team has that, because a, a passing big man like that is, is just he, he's so dangerous because he can beat you with the pass. He can beat you with the three point shot, and, and his inside game is is yeah. uh, almost unmatched anymore. Nobody yeah. really has that that inside game like he does. Uh, but you know, you mentioned defense, and I know that you know we have uh, the, the end of our end of our season here. And uh, but you know, kind of kind of looking forward to uh, what what the fans would expect for this this upcoming fall. Uh, it's all going to be about defense, and uh, the defense is the question mark for our beloved Arkansas Razorbacks. I, I don't think that the offense is is going to be the the question mark. Uh, you know, I've heard people ask, is this a make-or-break year for Sam Pittman? Excuse me, I, I don't think it is. I, I think Sam Pittman's uh, job is secure. Uh, I don't I don't think he can go out and win three games and it still be secure, but uh, I, I think defense is, is a question mark. Um, but I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and you know it's an early early time for predictions, but uh, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna say they they beat a couple of teams that nobody gives them a chance. I'm not saying we beat Alabama because we got to go to Tuscaloosa, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that we win nine and then we have a chance to win ten in a bowl game. And I know that's uh that's pretty high praise, but uh. I've got that much confidence in a third-year starter quarterback that the other SEC teams don't have that uh, luxury uh, this year. And, and I think that if KJ stays healthy, uh, we, we could see something very special. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, for, for those that, that do listen in, uh, uh, I, won't, I won't give you too many spoilers about the new season, but – we, we are going to do some looking back in the new season. We're going to be picking up on some where, where some former Razorbacks are now. And uh, I won't throw any names out to you at this point, but uh, Big Mo knows who they are. And uh, we look forward to bringing you at least uh, one new segment in season two. Uh, tied with Big Mo, where are they now? Uh, all right. Where are they now? This is going to be a, a first segment. Is this going to be a regular thing, Jackson, or is this going to be kind of an end-of-the-year type thing that we start having? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think you know, throughout the football season, I think, you know, maybe two or three times uh, during the season we might uh, might pick a few names of, of players that uh, may have left our minds and, uh, you know, do a little research for the fans and, 
and figure out where exactly they are now. And, uh, you know, so we, we have that to look forward to. Again, I'm, I'm not going to throw the names out there yet, but uh, you, you know who they are, and uh, the, the fans will find out in, in due time. So that's one reason to tune in uh, to the upcoming season. Okay. Very good. You, do you have any? Do you have any thoughts about the upcoming uh, football season? Uh, not at the moment. I'm I'm going to save those for for late August. But now, who who are we going to start with on the where they are now? Um, I, I've got three names. Uh, I'm I'm going to go the the Corey Birmingham, Joe Dean Davenport, and Jermaine Petty. Okay. So the, that, that's a little bit of a spoiler for the upcoming season, but uh, you know uh, it, we're going to do our due diligence and we're going to we're going to bring some info for the fans on on those those three players in particular uh, when we come into the new season. Oh, for, we're going to save that until August. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. Uh... So we've gone through the NBA. Um, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm still not completely sold on the Nuggets, uh, but uh, you know, there's not really any other team out there that wows me either. Um, I, I do think Boston is is still looking strong. Uh, the only thing that stopped Boston, I think, from from doing better was was the Heat. You know, the Heat took the first three games from them and. Then Boston, of course, forced a game seven by winning the next three, which was a shocker. But um, Boston recently made a trade uh, in which they got they gave away Marcus Smart and they got Chris Dapps Porzingis from New York. And I'm interested to see what that does for them. Um, of course, I'm also interested to see what my New Orleans Pelicans do this next year. By the way, I wanted to ask you how... I, I, oh, and, and I do think the Pelicans got a good draft pick <clears throat> when we got that um, that uh, player from uh, UConn Huskies. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Hawkins. Jordan Hawkins. Drafted him 14th overall. And I think that was really somewhat of a steal. They're just not giving us that much credit because we're the Pelicans, you know. Yeah, well, and just so, like they're not giving my beloved Detroit Pistons any credit for getting one of the Thompson twins uh, early in the draft. So, I was going to uh, ask you how I you think, felt about that. You think that was I a good, think, good I pick? Mean, I, think, I think that was a, an, an excellent pick. I think it's, he's going to be very complimentary to, to what else is on the team. And uh, I mean, I, I just the, – the East is so tough, and – and Detroit just uh, is it, still several years out, in my opinion, from from really competing with uh, on any kind of level. And I hate to say that as a fan, but that's just how it is. So, uh, but I, I want to say this, but because I, I know our before before uh, we we get out of here that uh, it's been a uh, it's been an absolute uh, honor and, and privilege to, to sit down with you these these last months and run through sports and. And put out a product out there that, uh, I mean, if, if you're not a fan of our show, you can't be a fan of anything because we we bring it every week uh, when the podcast is on, and we uh, we don't hold back any punches. I mean, we'll even hit Arkansas on the mountain if we have to. And uh, like I said, it's just always it's always an honor and privilege to sit down with uh, somebody that knows sports, that loves sports the way I do, and uh, to get to run them down and. And put a like I said, put a good product out there for people to enjoy. Uh, I, I appreciate it, Big Mo, and uh, and it, it it really uh it really is life changing to uh to be part of it with you. And, uh, well, I, I appreciate absolutely. I, I, I echo those feelings hundred percent. I appreciate you too, Action. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a great first season. Um. We really enjoy doing this, and we hope you know our listeners uh, enjoy hearing the thoughts too. And and uh, you know we, like you said, we don't pull any punches and just just tell it how we see it. Um, 
before we before we end up here, I do want to mention. I mean, there's a lot of things obviously that have happened uh, since uh, our last our last cast. Um, I want to mention that the LIV PGA merger. I, th- I think think we need to say a few words about about that um, for those of you who I don't know how many golf fans we have on here, but um, you know. If, if you're aware of the LIV story, where basically Saudi Arabia started a new league to compete with the PGA called LIV, and got yeah. some uh, big names like Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson to join them. Ironically, speaking of Arkansas, uh, John Daly tried to join LIV, but they <laughs> they, they didn't want him. He said he actually he actually begged to, to go to a place where they could fly on private planes and be on a team and, and drink beer and only play three days a week, but uh, that it wasn't, apparently John was a little bit too outside the age range, I guess, but... About the merger between those two, I think it just comes down to the old adage of you, you can't beat them, join them, and I think that's what they finally decided to do. It is, um, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I personally... I, I guess I'm just a, a, a principle guy. I like people who stand up for their principles. And um, I don't like it because I feel like it was some – really the, the, the people who come out looking the worst to me are the PGA executives who basically talked down the LIV for so long and tried to, you know, basically say that they were, you know, uh, had, had moral problems and things. And then they turn around and, and, and join them. Uh that's just a really bad look. And not to mention, you have a lot of guys who, you know, stood firm with the PGA and supported them and turned down a lot of money that was being thrown at them by the Saudis. And to me, it seems like they're being left pretty much high and dry. Uh, they're saying that um, there's going to be some type of a process for the guys who left for LIV to be welcomed back to the PGA basically you know penalizing them for being disloyal which i definitely think needs to happen and uh i had to joke to somebody well what happens to people like john daly who tried to be disloyal but they <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't accept them so they had to stay with the pga does, does he get any type of penalty for attempting to be disloyal but not making it to liv <laughs> i'm sorry that's a good question <laughs> I don't mean to call on John, but I just, I, I love that story. If, you, if anybody wants to Google that, you'll, you'll get a chuckle out of John Daly's attempts to join uh, join Live Golf. But, um, well, what do you think, Jackson? How, how do you feel about this, this these developments? Well, you know, like I said, you know, I, I think it just came down to a thing, like I said, of, you know, you why compete against them when you can join them and, and you know, try to, try to, you know, Make, make golf, uh, you know, fun again for everybody because it just seemed like there's a lot of guys on the PGA that weren't enjoying golf anymore. And, and I love the game of golf. You know, just give me an opportunity to play. And I think that's what it really came down to. Now, should you analyze them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you should. You know, if they, yeah. you know, they left the beloved tour to go to live. Yeah, definitely, definitely penalize them. But, but don't don't turn anybody away because you know there's there's people you got to remember that. You know, there's people that are just John Daly fans. There's people that are just Bryson DeChambeau fans. And you you got to have those people in your market. So, you know, penalize them if you choose to, but let them play. Well, you know me. Well, the number one golfer for me and always has been and probably always will be is Tiger Woods. And when Tiger Woods stood up and basically they offered Tiger this this – organization, Saudi-run organization, offered him $800 million. $800 million guaranteed, probably more money than he's earned in his lifetime on the PGA Tour, just to come and represent Live Golf. And Tiger turned him down, and he rallied everyone to the cause against Live Golf. Well, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I tend to be on Tiger's side with these things. And obviously, Tiger's got some moral issues of his own. He's got some personal issues like many people have. But when it comes to, to principle and it comes to sports and, and, and what's good for the game 
in our country, at least from a United States perspective, for a long term. Tiger is, to me, one of the best people to look at because he knows, he's known since he's young, his place in history and his role in American sports and how it kind of plays with the entire um, the entire uh, culture of our of our country. And so when Tiger's saying it's a bad idea to join these guys and I'm I'm gonna put eight hundred million dollars where my mouth is and, and not take this money because you know, I, I don't think I should be associated with these people, that gives me pause right there. And and that makes me wonder again, when I think about it, I, I, I also kinda wonder, um you know, how much should all the things the Saudis do even matter? Because, you know, the golfers aren't going to be saying anything about that. And I don't even think we're going to be playing any tournaments in Saudi Arabia, God forbid. So I don't even know how it would benefit the Saudis to be paying them all this money. So why not just take the money and just keep playing golf? I can see that point of view, too. But at the same time, I'm also open to uh, golf being a, a sport that's that's very principled and something to where you can't just buy us and make us, you know, or, or buy the, the golfers and, and do whatever you want, like they're, you know, playthings to a, to a rich government. You know what I mean? So I, I can see no, always, it both ways. Um, always good points. That's why we do yeah. these, because we always have contrasting styles and, you know, we differences of opinion and uh, it's one of the one of the great things about uh being able to sit down and do these casts and uh yeah i mean i agree with you the, the sanctity of the game of golf needs to be upheld and uh yeah good good points as always all right well i think that wraps up season number one action uh we have any closing thoughts for the people uh, uh to- and, uh just remember that it's it's all just a game, and uh, and remember how fragile life is, and enjoy life amen. with your family, your friends, and all those that you love. And and I, I just say amen to that. And look forward to season two. Amen to that, Andrew. Couldn't couldn't say better. Action, and uh, you know it's it's been like you said, been a very very great season uh, to be a part of. Just as far as. I mean, a lot of a lot of successes that we've had, just uh, from from football to baseball, but and, and and of course basketball was always a success too. But just being able to uh, you know do it with a friend and and uh, go on here and and just and connect with everybody with the sports, uh, air air some of the news and. Uh, just give everybody yep. uh, something to think about and 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 some something to look forward to. I think that's been the the biggest value of this this year. Absolutely. Now I'm and I'm definitely good, looking forward do it, do it to doing it with anybody better. Uh, amen to that. Me too. All right. Well, if uh, that's all we've got, then I, I think we're going to just going to have to say a, a big amen. And, uh, we will we see, will see all, all, you all you folks. Back in late August here for the start of the second season for 2023-2024. We'll see you then.